KRKA Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode, well, issue of Kokoa Radio. It is me. I am back from the Savage Land bathhouses, and baby, let me tell you, <laughs> the test results are negative. You're welcome. Um, it's me from Table Night, Just X Henry, with my fellow co-hosts. I have missed them all so much. It was just a week, but I have missed them all. Black word. Hello, it's your emissary from Table Dusk. What's good? Keeping it fresh and tasty in the nighttime. Like I say, it really was apparent when Henry was gone. It was like, it felt like he's been gone for forever. I don't know why. It was just like, there's something missing. I was just like, where's Henry at? I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> uh, we love our leader. We love our Pope. You know, we love uh, the Lord above all. Um, so we're always welcome. <laughs> Especially because we're about to, I hope, I can't wait till we get table night. I feel like it's about time. They need to pull that fucking trigger. Uh, but yes, thank you for stopping by and thank y'all for listening. Now on Spotify, yes. Yay for Spotify. Great job. Great job, Steven and Black, um, I'm sorry, Blackword and um, Showtime. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, also, my other co-host, and I like to say thank you to this person for doing my introduction duties. <laughs> I know it's very minor. <laughs> I have the introduction thing for every episode, and not being there for one time I was just like, oh my god, I'm not here to do it. And then I heard the episode, and I was just like, look at my niggas rocking out. <laughs> go ahead, Wingo Avante. Go ahead, baby. Go ahead. I like you. How you guys? How you guys doing? Your regent, table day, no problem, Henry. You know, I got you anytime. And of course, the legend, the, the very toit, the very sexy, our, ugh, our light skinned emperor, the top of all tops, the man of the hour, day, week, solstice is here. Dr. Showtime. Uh, what's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? This is your representative of Table Dawn. Niggas, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> this is a drowsy ass Sunday. I took a nap or two today. <laughs> today we are going to be reviewing Marauders Reboot Number One, X Men Red Number One, X Force Twenty Seven, and X Force Annual number one and i leave it to uh dr showtime to do marauders all right the reboot of the run of marauders by steve orlando and i am so sorry uh carlini i do not remember your first name um so it starts off with uh the top of the issue, um, there is uh, what looks like an explosion or a nuclear something uh, or an energy wave that goes through this uh, city in Wyoming. We find out that it is a mutant who, um, I feel like this is a, a trope that happens every once in a while um, in comics where the mutant that explodes and has um, uh, nuclear powers is, is going off and we have to rescue the city Okay, that's essentially what happens here. Uh, uh, Bishop, Kate, uh, Kate Pride, and Psylocke, Conan, 
um, are there to rescue this mutant um, from uh, being possibly killed uh, by the military that's there. Um, they go and they use their powers sort of together to um, take him out so that he is able to be rescued. Um, we then get to um, Krakoa a few days later and see that Kate has opened the Mysterium box um, to locate uh, what is on the map there. She discovers uh, Cassandra Nova uh, has been in a secret part of uh, Krakoa that even Krakoa doesn't know about and has been carving up Krakoa and, dis and dissecting its organs. She's weird, y'all. Like, she's weird, weird. Um, she has a conversation with, uh, with Kate um, about uh, being reformed. Um, she's still fucking weird, y'all. I'd like from X Men Red, the original X Men Red. Um, uh, Cassandra Nova was given um, sort of artificially emotions so that she feels remorse for the things that she does, um, and so that's why. Um, she's in this weird space where she's trying to be remorseful but still wants blood in her hands. Um, then uh, essentially this issue is going to be the recruiting of the entire team issue. That's basically what's going on here. Um, then we see uh, Psylocke uh, is with Tempo uh, and they are going through a essentially danger room mission or a danger room um, protocol. Um, on the island, um, and uh, Psylocke uh, ends up asking Tempo to join the team. Um, we pan back over to um, Jean Grey in her X-Men Red costume, um, confronting Cassandra Nova and essentially uh, saying, um, bitch, don't try me. Um, but uh, Cassandra Nova's saying that she's reformed. Um, the next person that they're recruiting, Bishop is recruiting Aurora, Aurora, wow, I cannot speak today, um, from the X Factor um, and has uh, has her join the team. Uh, we then go over to um, Dokken is killing, God, I cannot remember this guy's name, and he's a character from yesteryear. What is this guy, what is this character's name? Who talks about love? Thank you. Brimstone Love um, is uh, tearing him apart because um, he's being crucified. Then after uh, the end of that, um, Aurora and Dokken, um are there with Somnus. So now Dokken has both his boyfriend and his girlfriend, um, and they're being cute and gay. Um, and I'm sorry. Bye. Uh, they are then on, um, they're all recruited onto um, the new Marauder um, and sent into space. Um, and we now have the entire team on board. They meet uh, Cassandra Nova uh, on the ship and don't nobody want to really fuck her that hard. Um, then we see how we have a data page where Dr. Nemesis, Dr. Reyes, and Mr. Sinister um, are discussing uh, Cassandra Nova's status as a mutant. Um, ultimately, um, 
and, and also forget me not is there is the stenographer it's important to know because don't nobody remember that forget me not exists um it's uh at the top of the the data page dr nemesis um wasn't playing with mr sinister and wanted to put on record that there are two doctors and one mister um because mr sinister does not have a doctorate but dr reyes and dr nemesis both do um important to note um giving people their titles um so ultimately from that discussion they decide that uh while sinister it so they have that discussion about allowing sinister to be a member of the quiet council despite the fact that he artificially gave himself um the xg uh to be a mutant and cassandra nova while technically did as mama dry um technically did steal her x gene from xavier it was not a conscious decision to do so whereas sinister's was and so if sinister was permitted to make a conscious decision to become a mutant and be considered one um that cassandra nova should be considered a mutant as well because she did not make that choice to steal the mutant her x gene from xavier's dna um so they all agree to that. Um, we get back over to um, the Marauders on the, the uh, Marauder spaceship um, and uh, Somnus and Psylocke um, uh, try to attack Cassandra Nova. Uh, Somnus is noted by Cassandra to be the only one on the team who had he been trained and properly skilled enough in his powers could probably take her out. The rest of the team, she's like, y'all fucking tried it and nobody's really fucking with me and your strongest psychic can't do shit to me um and then she invites psylocke to stab her in the head and it literally does nothing <laughs> cassandra's just like welcome we're here great you're cute um and so they essentially just have a uh dec decision to go out in the space uh we see uh exandra um, at her th throne room on the feet um, the Shi'ar Empire. Um, and she's there with her advisors. Um, it's noted that, um, who is this? Delphos um, is part of the essentially uh, Shi'ar B613. B wow, I can't speak today. Um, is essentially the Shi'ar B613 and is. Uh, um, Delphos the Red, much like Eric the Red, uh, which we'll get to shortly, um, as the special secret um, uh, defenders of the Shi'ar. Uh, it is, uh, it, so Delphos transforms into Delphos the Red um, and, it be, and sends off the um, Super Guardians and then discusses with uh, Alexandra, the uh, the history of the Magistrix, um, and discusses the first bloodshed uh, between uh, Planet Araco. Um, I'm sorry, not Planet Araco, uh, between um, one of the mutants, uh, which they note is Cassandra Red. I'm sorry, Cassandra Nova. Um, and so when the uh, Marauders get to Shi'ar space, or not to Shi'ar space, but when they get out into space far enough, the Shi'ar actually end up attacking them um, and trying to collect them in this living thought uh, force field um, that it prevents um, Bishop from being able to absorb it because it's not exactly energy, and Psylocke can't do shit about it because it's living thought. 
Um, and then Cassandra Nova's not doing shit about it either. Um, so they end up getting captured um, and discovering that Eric the Red, um, who is a Shi'ar villain from years and years and years ago, um, is there on the ship and is the one who is there to capture them. And we end the issue there. Um, thoughts, comments, concerns, rude comments, critiques. Ooh, child, bitch. <laughs> I like to say how they Umar Johnson Mr. Senator. <laughs> I've always been here for uh, Dr. Ooh, Nemesis because he shades everyone. Oh, bitch. He's, he's like, uh, sorry, uh, Umar Johnson of Krakoa, you are not a doctor. I need you to chill out. You have you have no titles. Because niggas like just coming up with titles nowadays, right? Like, you don't have to go to school. Like, you don't have to go through stuff. Listen. Dr. Doom is Dr. Doctor Hadassah pre-PhD because he don't have no doctorate neither. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Yeah. You know who gets <laughs> not a doctor status? We talk about it all the time. Dr. Voodoo, a man who actually has a PhD. <laughs> has a PhD. He is a whole medical doctor. A, a whole psychologist. Med- a whole physician. And I love how uh, Dr. Reyes was not here for any of them. She was like, girl... <laughs> He said, y'all running out of shit to measure. Right, like, (laughs) I'm doing some real shit. I don't know what the fuck y'all been doing, but bitch, I've been in the field working. What the fuck do you do, niece? She said, bitch, I'm the surgeon. What do you do? Right, like, like, I I was actually really out here saving lives and doing the the damn thing. You been sitting around here playing your motherfucking, uh, your your motherfucking houses and your shacks and shit. Like, she was not trying to hit any of that shit. Like, none of it. Like, none of it. But I'm glad that, like, because the thing is, like, Cecilia, Cecilia Reyes goes way back in Marvel's, like, you know, in the X-Men history, going back to Operation Zero Tolerance. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and it was always led to believe that she was going to be a throwaway character because she appeared at the same time as Maggot and another kind of reboot of Mero. So she never got a code name. She never really did anything major. She just, like, she had that whole drug thing with Kick. But I think for her to be an Afro-Latino character and still be around as much as, like, dark-skinned female characters disappear over time, mm-hmm. I'm glad that, like, you know, Mother still has an echo in, in the Kokoa sound chamber, that she's still out here, still working. She's still clocked in. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I wonder I, why that is, because she's, like, the head of the medical period of all X-Men. Like, it's because I feel like they used to rely on Beast so much for that. Right. And Beast no longer works for that anymore because now he's off, you know, getting his Ronald Reagan on, which we'll establish later on, like all the issues with that. But this issue felt like it was the marauders in general are outcried to like characters who kind of just got forgotten in general. Because we got Forget Me Not, who literally was supposed to be a once-off character and then got so popular, the very concept of a dude whose power is to never be remembered, that he just becomes the best character to use for just about everything. Um, because he's like he's literally, I feel like he's in, just um, a joke. He is a walking reference to the fact that there are so many X Men characters that you just forget about. He's gonna be in uh, Legion of X. He was, uh, he's on the cover. Is he? I don't remember. Exactly. He is. He is. Always <laughs> oh, trying to be funny. Okay, never mind. It was a joke. <laughs> We're doing a funny. <laughs> No, this was a good issue. I like the tie into the Shi'ar Empire and also the invocation of the first generation of mutants. I feel like so much of what we got this week was the ex-staff showing that they're listening to the audience. 
specifically on Twitter when they're talking about like specific concepts because in this you definitely get to see like the question of how these generations of mutants work has always been an enigma and the fact that this followed up the situation last week with Celine going like throwing her whole titty on a table and going none of you bitches beat my chest size none of y'all can wear my bra my titties just play around freely and y'all can measure up or don't the first generation of mutants if people don't know becomes it's part of like the the background story of the phoenix itself the first phoenix that existed was a member of the avengers 10,000 bc uh that whenever you see the phoenix force whenever you're talking about thor's mother we're talking about the first phoenix host and she was one of the first mutants in fact she was a full-blown telekinetic telepath and she's the reason why apparently homo sapiens have a deep biological fear of mutants and it's because in that outcry when their first skirmish happened and they gave the opportunity for peace she lashed out and destroyed everyone there um it's not a good story i wouldn't recommend i'm not saying this as if you need to go read this no it wasn't great but in general this entire concept coming back i feel like is worthy but i'm not sure i'm not sure what can come of it because now they're doing stuff that messes with like the full scaffold of like mutant kind and like the entire lore of the x-men um yeah could i have i have a concern about that mm-hmm. too because like remember, remember like johnson blind was the original biological cause for him, humanity's disdain against homo, homo sapiens superior. So if that's the case, and they're and they're they're it's not even a retcon. It's kind of like, what what do you like? What are y'all doing? It's Jason Aaron hasn't read any X Men comics. Oh my god, that's what that is. Because it's like like y'all remember that, right? I'm not crazy, right? Mm-mm. This is why, this was is why all, the Avengers don't need their hands on the Phoenix, because they about to do some dumb stuff. It was all in um, Grant Morrison's uh, new X-Men run. They just be doing shit sometimes. So what do we think about this team so far? Because we got Somnus, you know, the bottom of the team, which I keep thinking he looks like a make level bottom on Twitter. They look the same. It's, that's their twin. That's their twins. Don't play the same that. exact build, the same exact body type, very, very black twinkish. Um, well, he's not black. I think he's Caribbean. It's not Caribbean. I think he's Cuban. He's brown. That's all I know so far. Some kind of brown. I think it's leaning, is leaning, is giving um Latinx of some sort. But you know, he's one of Dawkins' two holes. Um oh, wow. He is. That's what. That's what they are. They're like him and Aurora are best friends. They're homies. They hang out together. And then when Dawkins horny, they take turns riding it. Like that's just that's what it gives. And I'm happy for them. Well, I feel like we are only two issues away from Twitter screaming about Somnus being an Omega level mutant, and it's going to be so annoying. Well, I hope they don't. I hope they don't get the UTI that we were speaking of earlier. Ooh, girl. Listen, Doc and showers, okay? He comes from the culture of the Bushido. He takes good hygiene etiquette. He takes hygiene very seriously. Are you sure he showers like an Asian man where he would actually be clean? Or does he shower like a white man, like his daddy, where Ooh. he just sort of 
lets the soapy water run down from his head. I think they're scrubbing because, you know, I think, especially because he's a bisexual. So, you know, he frequents bathhouses a lot. Yeah. He so does it. he slide back the foreskin to clean up under there to make sure that there's no smegma? He probably just cuts it off and then grows it back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like Doc is, is circumcised. Oh, wait, no, he's definitely not. Because then he have his powers at birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a birth mm-hmm. mutant. Because if he is, that means he can't be circumcised. Basically. Listen, we're digging too deep into this. Um, yeah, we are. So I'm noticing the trajectory. Wait, was Grey Crow with them when they went? Or no? No, no he's Crow. not on the scene. Yeah, Grey Crow is about to start his own uh, restaurant on Kokoa. Ah, uh, yes. And he's selling the booster fruit that they're now using, which is, which is, I guess, basically better kick. It's healthier kick. That's all I see it as. The fruit they were but, eating to boost their powers so they can travel to space. Is that yeah, how, how Mara was breathing in space? That's what stop, we're telling try, ourselves. Stop. No. That's what we're telling no, we're ourselves. We're not discussing <laughs> that. That never happened. We don't know what that was. So Next what time. you don't understand, Next Showtime, is that her power isn't actually to make bone weapons. She's projecting psychic bone constructs. So when she put the suit on, <laughs> it was actually a thought projection. And no, or no, it wasn't Meryl, it was no. actually Zorn. It wasn't Meryl, it was actually Zorn in disguise. Shut up, um, whoever it was that came <laughs> after Grant Morrison. No, stop it. <laughs> it was Zorn. Everyone knows this showtime. <laughs> no. Anytime a character does some shit that makes no sense, it's Zorn. It's always one of the Zorn brothers. That's the rule of the X-Men comics. It's always been this way. Storm blaming herself for the Inhuman War, that was Zorn. I don't know what you're talking about. The Inhumans didn't have a war with the X-Men. They had a war with the Eternals. That's Isn't all that so about. funny? That's also how the X-Staff are treating it. It's still so funny that they talk about all these atrocities and all these wars, and no one ever mentions the Inhumans versus X-Men because it did not happen. It didn't happen. The Inhumans had a war with the Eternals, and the Inhumans <laughs> somehow won? I don't know how that worked. But... Um, it boggles my mind. See, great issue, fantastic issue. I can't wait to hear about the conspiracy. Um, Xavier's daughter's Uncle Tom, just like her daddy. You didn't know that? Wasn't that oh, no, what we, we covered we in Secret X-Men? We peeped. We peeped. The, the Xavier family sucks. The entire family, except for maybe... I think his name's Gargoyle. What's his name? Gotham? He's the one who's an ancestor of Xavier, but he was buried underground for being gay. You're muted, Henry. Gray Malkin. Gray Malkin, yes, that nigga. Gray Malkin might be okay just because, you know, he's been living literally on a down low for centuries, Um, but we'll see about it. Yeah, Legion's not so bad. He got he tried to be everything but like his father. So that's what he'll probably be great. He keeps on that path. Be like your mother. I be mean, like, be like well, I think about his relationship with Blindfold, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of not okay. But then it's also the added bit of like, yeah, I'm helping teenagers have sex with my telepathy. It's 
He does questionable things, definitely. He gives a little bit John Constantine vibes. Interesting. Interesting. Anywho, uh, shout out to Tempo. Thank you for joining us. We love you, girl. You can do no wrong. You have done no wrong. Shout out to Danger Island finally popping up. We thought you, we would never see it. It's been three years, but we finally got to see you. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. On to the next question mark. Yep. Oh, that's me. Uh, X-Force annual number one. I'm doing first and then X-Force 27. All right, let's kick this thing off. All right, so we have B sitting in his lab. Um, setting up and corresponding with Sage over a mission about some missing Krakoa flowers and an orchid installation in the middle of some volcano that they're going to send out exports to retrieve. Um, but in the midst of this, uh, Sage has some concerns. She reaches out to Emma to go intercept uh, Beast to figure out, like, what the fuck is the situation? Like, what are you up to? And, you know, you know, try to figure out, you know, what's going on. But, you know, what Beast is like, I don't trust you like that, Emma. You know, you try to scan people's minds and shit. Emma's like, you know what? I go on my dying form. I give you, I give you some peace, girl. You know, I can't use my telepathy when I'm in this form. So, you know, you go ahead and go and go ahead. You know, tell your little story. Tell me a little bullshit you're gonna tell. So, Wolverine, Domino, and Kid Omega are heading out to the installation to retrieve these flowers. They basically jump in. They dive in from the uh, Blackbird, and they land at the installation. They bust in, and then Quentin is snatched. Then Wolverine is under attack, and then he's magnetized and is stuck to the ceiling. Domino falls through, um, is running for her life, but then she is up in this cornered room where there are four panels that look like dice. She steps on one of them, which leads her into a trap, and she's inside this bubble, but there are also three other bubbles, one made of glass, one made of some kind of, like, uh, acid, and it looks like it's made of some kind of gas. That, you know, but because, you know, of course, Domino's abilities, you know, she goes, she falls into the right one. Um, then we have Emma and Beast talking and explaining the importance of, of X-Force. And, and she explained to him that, you know, like, after the gala, I said, keep my eye on you. You say you're willing to be the bastard, you know what I'm saying? But, like, she has different callings about the different concerns about what he may be doing especially since like emma is no longer a part of the hellfire trade trading company and that's what beast kind of called around on to was like you know why are you involved in the situation you know this has like you're not part of hellfire anymore so, but like even still like she is hellfire like she made it very clear like i may not be working for hellfire but i am hellfire you know what i'm saying so um we get some notes on a data page from orcas experiment notes and basically that this thing that they went to go get these flowers from actually was not where the flowers were. It actually was a trap to test the, the um the complexity of the ability that Kid Omega, Domino, and Wolverine do have, and how resilient that they really actually are. Um, as a result, um, they have all these different things about like you know trying to break down Kid Omega's telepathy with um I'm sorry his his psychic abilities with uh, sound frequency and testing Wolverine on how invincible he is and actually testing the extent of Domino's luck powers and what they really, really do. Um, but now we are now with Kid Omega. We find Kid Omega in some sound room and they're trying to use the sound to attack him, to get him to break down. But as a result, um, 
you know, he's like starting to have like starting to see shit. Wolverine is like pinned to the ceiling with the with, with the magnetic ceiling, and now these little machines. We're not clear they're sentinels because they're machines. You know, that's racist. All machines matter. Um, but um, these machines are trying to hack and slice Wolverine to see the dexterity of his of his healing factor. And Domino is inside of this bubble thing, which she's trying to get out of, but she can't seem to get out of. But the thing is that, like, even if she doesn't get out, eventually the the glass thing that she's in is going to melt. And she's gonna fall into the lava because inside this volcano situation. But as a result of Domino's abilities, which are so amazing and so powerful, um, she somehow inverts the magnetic the magnetic polarity of the of the volcano called the Wolverine to demagnetize and fall and to beat up all those fucking robots and shit. He takes care of them, he gets inside of some weird um like room that's watching them and he sees all these details. So like he's fighting his way through to go rescue everyone. Um and it is revealed that Emma reveals to to Hank that she knows that like you didn't send these people on a mission about no motherfucking flowers. Like you know what the fuck is really going on. And this is awesome bullshit. And like if Sage hadn't tipped me off to you, I wouldn't be in here having a conversation with you now. Um and Emma doesn't trust Beast. I think no one should trust Beast at this point. And we return back to X-Force fight for their lives to get out. Um, Wolverine sends her half of a body, one of the robots, and she basically jetpacks her way out of the motherfucking bubble. Um, and then we see Kid Omega's like, you know what? These motherfuckers try me. Let's get let's get the let's get the shit that they need. We need to get from them and let's get up out of here and we can escape. Um, they ended up uh, working that that nature the facility and it's revealed that like. Basically, Beast knew what was going on, and because Orcus was testing them, Beast also knew that, like, because of the test, he wanted to get information out of them as well. Um, Quentin Quire kind of, like, feels like Beast knew that this was going on, so, like, but they had some suspicions about Beast, and um, that is the end of that issue. Should I just roll over to X-Force 27? Okay, and, okay, so if we go from there to X-Force 27... Uh, we see Wolverine standing outside one of the cradles where one of the cerebral helmets are located. Wolverine is like, you know, going over his mind, the events of, of Ten Lives of Wolverine, and you know how he feels. But then he exits, and then the cerebral helmet turns red, and then we cut to the Quiet Council, and Beast coming to the Quiet Council to discuss the matters of Omega Red and what needs to happen next. And Beast has some very, just very clear thoughts about the reality of him, him being a traitor, him being dangerous, and that he has a permanent death that he's no longer resurrected. Of course, Sage comes in. Sage is always on the clock. Sage's mother. Sage, Sage gonna do the right thing. Sage comes in and is like, you know what? I like to add my little two cents too. Since you ain't here, niece, let me add my little two cents in. So she's starting to like, you know, have her little thoughts. And the beast is like, wow, she ain't. She ain't got nothing to say. And I don't, nobody want to hear nothing she got to say. I, I'm the I'm the chief intelligence officer. What the fuck is she gonna say? And and so. Cyclops, I'm not sorry, sorry, not Cyclops. Colossus is like, I like to hear what you got to say. Stands up and turns metal. Is like, I wish you jumped. Go ahead and jump. We all know, we all know you the problem, bitch. We ain't got no receipts, but we all know you the problem. But Sage, you know, basically makes the argument that like we basically have led him into these steps of of the chaos that he he has created. We we lied him about some information, and he's here because of this and X, Y, and Z. And we should actually give him the opportunity to like redeem himself again because technically. 
it's his it's our fault while he's while he's here. And so they decide like, you know what, they're gonna, you know, review some ideas, think about it, see what's gonna happen next. But then Sage realizes that one of cerebral helmets is offline. So we gotta fix this shit and see what's going on. So they go to resolve that. But somehow uh Forge is on his way there already and realizes that the helmet is gone and he is snatched up by some tentacles and then they're at the point now now we're at the point with Sage and the rest of X Force. And they are discussing um some things about Omega Red and, you know, the part that they all played in it. Who's guilty, who's not guilty. And even like Quinn Cross, like, you know, give the man a second chance, just like, you know, shit happens, you know, it's easy to delete and and add things or not add things, but it's like, you know, sometimes the memories are important and we should keep them. Um Black Tom is sitting around on his um on his throne and he's like, you know, synced in with uh Kokoa. I wanna say that basically that Black Tom may be um Kokoa's central nervous system, which is kinda like an interesting thing. And I wonder how much that affects I I wonder how much of, of his awareness of everything that's going on with Mora and the no place and with Kokoa and Doug Ramsey really know what's going on, but you know, who knows? So he goes to investigate, he finds um with the helmet on, and he's like, oh shit, this is about to get fucking crazy. Beast is now in Morocco meeting Abigail Brand, two treacherous-ass trifle motherfuckers who deserve each other. And so she's like, let me see it. This, this motherfucker shows his, like, missing eye. This bitch sticks her fucking finger in it. I don't know what the fuck this is about. Some weird shit. It's like, you know, you know, like, when, like, but you ever heard the story about the, about the, uh, the prostitute who had a clothing bag, and niggas would fuck her in her stoma, and she had an STI in her stoma? But um, <laughs> real shit. I don't know where I heard that from. But um, but yeah. So <laughs> the more you know. So they resurrect Omega Red, and Omega Red first instinct is not to pop anybody else in that room, but Henry motherfucking McCoy, and he immediately goes for him. But then, like you know, Colossus is like, nah, you know, let him have his moment, let him decompress, bring himself down. And then Black Tom appears in the dirt. It's like, you know, we all need to come. There's some shit going on. Y'all need so y'all need to get, you know, some shit together. There's some weird shit going on over here. And basically they find Ford with his head chopped in half and the cerebral helmet just just basically roaming around Krakoa. And that is how the issue ends. A lot of thoughts, a lot of concerns, a lot of accusations. I'm all ears. Let's talk about it. Also, you trifling bitch. He saw me I... eating. Henry sees me eating, right? He says that. I'm sorry. I'm eating this Carolina gold fried chicken right now. I'm slamming. Have a good old time, right? I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. That's a true story. Mm. Ugh, gross. Um, I love the fact that um, Sage is given um, some great autonomy here because I've been waiting for her to do that and get everyone the fuck together. Yeah, Sage is like Sage is Sage is the antithesis to Beast and is much needed. Somebody has to keep him mm -hmm. in check. Somebody has to. And Sage is the only one that is in a position to do Sage and Emma can do it, but Sage is in a better position to do it than Emma is. Cause she's not scared for of me. Uh -huh. For me, I think the major issue with everyone else on the team is that Wolverine actually was the one who told Beast to act like this. Right, he's the one who was like, "Oh yeah, you can't be soft-hearted and be in charge of the exports, uh, exports team because like we have to get our hands dirty. Like this is the whole goal of what we're doing here." 
And then Beast was like, okay, but if I'm going to be a bitch, I'm going to be a bad one. And he decided to take that to being a full-blown fascist. Um, I think everything Sage was saying made sense because there's an aspect of what Beast is doing that, to me, it gives justified reason to their enemies to hate them. It's not like a small little slap on the wrist thing. Like, even, like, the situation with Terra Verde or whatever it's called, where they're like, oh, yeah, we, uh, we, it was either going to come down to us and our medicine or them and their medicine. And I decided that we needed the leverage so that Krakoa could exist. So I took those motherfuckers out. I'm, like, cold, but honestly, yeah, you respect it. This other shit, he's just wobbling. And I think I blame Xavier for giving him a blank slate as if y'all don't need to know what he's doing. I mean, I think y'all really need to know what the fuck he's doing. He needs oversight in a huge way. I'm still trying to figure out why he let that fucking Karen put his finger in his eye. Because he's a Chad. That's why. He's really a Chad. But, you know. That's that's just weird. Cause she a freak. Like the nigga she's like a furry. Fuck. She likes that these hairy as shit. She wants all of that. She wants like you know hair knots in her mouth and just you know you know Beast's dick is built like a fucking dog's right. You know it. Gross. We're done. You know <laughs> it. No, thank you. <laughs> but I can't talk about I can't talk about Stoma. You can talk about talk about Beast's pink dick. Pink through his blue fur. It's not pink, it's purple. Wolf. Gross. Anywho, fuck Beast all day. Hope he burns in hell. Can't wait for you to throw his ass to the pit. But I'm glad Emma got his ass together. It's like, I see you, niece. You think you slipped down? I don't know what's going on around this motherfucker. I ain't, gotta, I ain't used to left me to keep my eyes on you. I know you up, you scheming, doing some bullshit. It's like, how you like, you know, how you gonna send them on a mission that you know is an experimental mission to see what their capabilities, capabilities of their abilities, just so you can have the information they do the dirty work for you. You see nothing wrong with that? Plus, it was irresponsible. Like, he knows that they're gathering their parts and using them for experimentation, even if they die. So, like, every time you send a mutant out on a mission, that should be treated with the utmost care, especially because their memories keep getting lost. It's like Beast is operating without the central information of everyone else. Like, he's just doing shit. I'm like, you didn't hear what the fuck just happened with um, fucking Onslaught? You didn't hear, like, all this other shit going down? You didn't realize there's Beast a huge issue? He's bad. He's bad at his job. He's horrible. He's horrible. Go ahead. This is why you never let an X-Men team, Beast. Like, like how, like how you supposed to be the mutant CIA and you leaving evidence everywhere? Y'all bodies are, are like government property, basically. He's you can't leave a loaded weapon very, like that just sitting around anywhere. He's very careless. Very, and I don't blame Sage for that. I blame him. I feel like Sinister didn't even do this shit. Sinister will way, way better than this shit. You know, and, I hate to, <laughs> and I hate to say it, speaking of Sinister <laughs> Diaries. He may be, because what Simpson said in one of his, not Simpson's diaries, Sinister's uh, things or whatever, he said that, like, somebody's going to be put in a pit that deserves to be put in a pit. Is it Beast? It should be Beast. I mean, obviously, obviously Sinister should be in a pit. I think that's obvious. But 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 as, as zany and crazy as, as Sinister is, that nigga's a tactician. He's not stupid. He's going to play the game. 
Beast ain't that smart. And I wonder if he's the one that's going to go into the motherfucking pit. I feel like Beast is in control himself. Did Sage say, uh, (laughs) did Sage chin check the fuck out of Beast to be like, you're used to being the smartest one in the room until I come in the room? Hello? (laughs) Hello? She's like, she's like, I'm Riri, Riri Williams, and you are uh, Mr. Fantastic. You, you not smart, friend. You not smart. You think you are, got your fucking degrees, but in truth, in execution, you're not that impressive as a mutant. You wasn't that impressive as a sorcerer. You're not that impressive as a scientist. And so you joined the CIA. You basically went the C route of everything. You went politics. It's like, you know... Some people go to college, some people don't, and then all the rest go into the military. And <laughs> I'm not saying that that's beast. <laughs> and, and the thing is that you have to remember too that that Sage was picked to be an X Men as well. Mm-hmm. She wasn't just like a Hellfire, like you know, doll. You know, she did it good. You know, Mama went, Ma- Mama went uh, courses in motherfucking panties before Bosca. Okay, and doing it right. However. She was also picked to be an X-Man, and she was actually more trusted than Beast was with the mission that she was given originally. Tessa Sage is that girl. Don't sleep on her. Don't sleep. The girls don't sleep on Sage. And the nieces are trying to sleep like Beast is trying to sleep on her. Right, Patrick? You don't care. You know, uh, Beast been flopping ever since he went through his poor his what was it quadrate fucking mutation? Because he had so many. Um, he was better as a feline, and then he was also more acceptable as an ape. And I'm not sure what the fuck he is right now. I'm not sure what animal he's giving. Cousin It, maybe? It's giving something. It's just not getting entertaining. It's giving um, Cookie Monster. It's giving Couch Potato Gorilla. Anywho... X-Force, it happened. It came and went. Emma Frost was studying. The woman was studying. Wolverine was there. Uh, and Quentin Choir, his Omega-level status still hasn't been explained. So, therefore, I give it uh, two snaps in the Z-formation, um, but not a third or fourth. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing about potentially this being better than it was. But any other comments, any other concerns, any other observations? Um, I wanted the cerebral helmet thing as a result of the Ten Lives of Wolverine. Probably, definitely. I think it's a phalanx uh, stepped off up into that shit. Um, Forge, poor Forge, just got resurrected, then died five minutes later. <laughs> I know, that, that's, that's bad. They got to stop doing Forge like that. He said, no sooner had I got out of the, the warm goop of the fucking egg was I already put back to work. I said, oh. <laughs> to get to work, Blackie, like, <laughs> oh, they run a slave operation on that island. Isn't that the most fun? There's no money. You don't work for anything. You work for free. Like, you work for free. <laughs> right. Yeah, they were like, oh, I'm glad to see you at your egg so you clocking in, right? <laughs> Clock in for me, baby. Thank you so much. You're you sick. Work, right? We have free healthcare. <laughs> if you're so sick, kill yourself. We'll resurrect you right now with a perfect bill of health. 
It's a trap. You'll just walk into the waiting room. You'll be all right. Anywho, with that, we move on to what has to be the most anticipated comic of our generation. Anticipated, never underrated, highly, highly expected, always tens across the board. Um, starring our good sis on the first page, the one, the only, the regents, the emissary, the goddess, the wife, the ex-wife, my mother, my sister, my friend, Aurora Monroe. We open it immediately with our girl in her best face, throwing hands and dodging knives. She chases off against Nameless, the shapeshifter queen, holder of the seat of all around us, regent of Morocco, and the circle perilous. She's wearing Storm's iconic hand-me-downs, um, trying to give something, trying to give icon, giving something more like copycat, a little bit, you know, sheen, maybe something off the rack. Um, Storm is going back and forth with her as names the saying, I am you. And in this moment, we see our girl sweating a little bit, not because she can't handle the bitch, um, but more so because the girl is getting into her. She has all of Storm's tea. And we reveal that Nameless has the ability not only to duplicate a mutant's appearance, but also to copy their powers. And also, it seems to copy their memories as well. She duplicates every aspect of Storm down to the rooter and the tutor and reflects herself as who Storm might deem the best version of herself. This is OG Storm, fresh out of Africa, pussy, still still fresh from the sands of the Sahara, you know, coming through, talking about, I'm the best version of you. I'll always be the best version of you. You want to be me. You wish you were me. Um, she calls her greedy, power hungry, corrupt, a bunch of shit that Storm rejects. But she says, sis, you out here tracing crowns and thrones and you out here dressing up in pretty gowns and you're not actually doing none of the shit you actually thought you were going to be doing these days. Storm rejects that and freezes her from the titty on down. And this storm says that, you know, all the shit you were saying is cute, but as much as you use my power, as much as you could fight, I still got your ass, bitch. And she tells her to yield and to surrender because there's only two ways out of the circle perilous. Surrender or death. The nameless calls down a lightning bolt and says, if you want Araco, you want to beat up us because, you know, storm wasn't there. She didn't fight the wars. She doesn't understand what she's talking about. And she's coming in here trying to usurp a throne that does not belong to her. Tells her that if you want Araco, you got to know the cost. And then she kills herself, but makes it seem like it was Storm. And thus, we see how Storm became regent of Araco and obtained the seat of all around us. Um, three days ago, we see a reenactment of the very situation we saw in the X-Men comic where Storm was surveying the totality of the council and discussing if they would go back to war or immense or they will remain on Mars, where they will stay the seat of power for the soul galaxy. Storm reveals that her distraction wasn't just um, Planet Araco reaching out to her, but she's having some issues trying to become okay with some of the circumstances that are around her. You know, Iska's like driving her shit into her, like taking her for shit, calling her queen every two seconds, calling her your majesty, you know, being a real bitch. 
Um, but we all know Iska is a bitch, so she gets to do that. <clears throat> you know, you say wherever you want, no one can beat your ass. She and Storm have a little go out and they have a little moment, but then we have a little flash forward to the Fisher King. In this, the Fisher King is a character who has no powers, and he is an enigma during Araco as a mutant with no powers, um, revealing the most basic component of what we know about mutant lore, which is that not all mutant children or children of mutants will be powered themselves. Some of them will have nothing or just plain and simple. Some of them will have very low mutations that have nothing really to do with anything, not even super hearing, maybe just like you have more hair on your body, so you're better during the winter. Um, Magneto comes about with his floating fucking silver ball and starts talking his shit and goes, uh, my name is Magneto and I am unused to being threatened by dot, dot, dot. He forgets, you know, talking shit like this, which got him, got him thrown out of a rock, Krakoa, you know, in the first place. Um, and he tells him his real name, which is Max. Um, comes down, hangs out with dude. They bond for a second as old men do. Specifically hot old men, because they're both hot very hot old men, um, bond for a second, and they discuss all aspects of what it means to be strong. And Magneto, being asked about, you know, his weaknesses, like why he's coming out here, why is he running away from, says he thought Araka wouldn't be one type of person to discuss weakness at all. And Duke was like, y'all, Crowens, think you know so much about us, but know us so little. And he's like, what kind of person, what kind of culture would reveal and like worship strength if we don't talk about weakness? You gotta know what your weaknesses are so you can expunge it and get better afterwards. Revealing that as much as people want to pretend the Iraqi are violent thugs, they do have a sense about them. They do have a culture. Um, we then time flash forward after Magneto makes his fucking castle like he always does because he always needs a fucking castle to the Red Lagoon. There, our homeboy, who's black, um, Sunspot, is sitting there chilling and shit, and he's talking to this other mutant who discusses, like, having lost someone in the wars, and his name was Tarlo, and he wept for a year straight after he died, but then he never cried again, revealing that same mentality that we just got a chapter, uh, a page ago. Then we get Vulcan coming in, talking shit, throwing around Shi'ar ambassador, shooting fire out his mouth and shit. Sunspot tries to be a hero, tries to throw hands as a solar power mutant against a person whose power is literally to manipulate all energy, especially solar energy. And then he gets depowered and gets his ass beat. And a rocky mutant calls him a weapon thief, which is a very keen title because it directly talks about how unfair they think about people who steal other people's powers. Um, John Proudstar pops up, decks the shit out of Vulcan. Uh, and then kicks him out, and then Abigail snitch brand, op bitch, Karen Supreme, and bad son Cable step in. Cable chokes his uncle to, to unconsciousness and reveals that he's not welcome at the Summer's house. He's been having issues with Petra and, uh, and Sway. Abigail Brand tells him that they all have to leave, and John Brahalstar is being called out for literally starting shit with anyone who's a Summer's for no fucking reason. Um, he says he has to go, and John Proudstar is like, fuck Krakoa, I'm not Krakoa, fuck that shit. Um, still revealing he has an attitude problem like he always had. And then Cable drags the ever-living shit out of him. Um, I'm not used to seeing such visceral reads in an X-Men comic, but Cable saying that John Proudstar couldn't protect his brother because he had a plane to catch is probably the rudest thing I think anyone has ever said to a person in a comic ever, period. 
Um, this is going in my top five reads ever, right up there when uh when I got a number of T'Challa's, T'Challa has some great one-liners. Um, it's also great. It's also great. And then Bran steps the fuck out, and Sunspot is just left standing there thinking about what he just saw. And there's some fuck shit going on. We then get data page explaining basically everyone who's on the council uh, of the Great Ring and what they do, who they are, what they're all about. We get some really cool information. This does being discussed as a person who is always going to be the hero of her story, no matter how it breaks her heart and how it hurts her to no, never be on the side that she wants to be on and to stand by the people she loves because of the nature of her ability. It reveals it to be very tragic, as you can anticipate, having that power to be, to always betray the people you want to fight alongside. Um, then you got Idol, you got Iska, you got Tarn, who reveals that he took the seat just to spite the Iraq mutants, and he actually hates these motherfuckers. Um, and then we get a brief explanation of Aura Serrata, who says that or the secrets of Aura Serrata are not ours to tell. Keep it that bitch secret for another year. Um, they tell how everyone votes, and the vote goes to peace because overall broke the vote. Iska reveals how pissed off she is about that. She wants to go to her sister, and she's really bitter towards Aurora because she won't pick a side, and she won't stand by shit. She's just here to make sure that they don't make any advancements at all. Um, Abigail Brand comes, talks her white woman shit, and tries to get Aurora to start the X-Men. Aurora says no, and Abigail Brand walks away, tells her to think about it, um, but reveals basically that whether or not Aurora says yes, Brand is going to make her own X-Men. Um, Storm has a little personal moment where she destroys her throne, and reveals that there will be no thrones on Araco and that she has no place in trying to control these people. In fact, she should be trying to learn from them as much as possible. Um, the Fisher King reveals he is immortal, has no powers, and that his family history is tied intricately with Tarn, the uncaring, and the vile schools, which leads me to suspect something, which is the Tarn, the vile schools give powers to people who don't have them. And that's why you see so many mutated mutants on this planet is because if you don't have a power, Tarn will give it to you in exchange for worship, basically. Um, we get our baby Roberto coming through saying that they need to start their own X-Men to take care of brand and to make sure things are going okay as well because that bitch got something planned. To which Aurora steps in and says she was thinking something similar. In fact, though, she doesn't think that there should be X-Men on Araco that's not what's needed. She then pitches that they start the Brotherhood and she shows off her newest most iconic look. Thoughts, concerns, accusations, standing moments. I stand the whole thing from top to bottom. That's all I've got. So good. It was very good. I really like eight pounds. <laughs> Al Ewing knows what he's doing. That's a powerful bisexual right there. He's very good with um, characterization. Because cause Cable read the fuck out of fucking... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had to go, go catch a plane. <laughs> <laughs> you had a plane to catch him. Bitch, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> and, it's and it's crazy to me that, you know, they bring back Thunderbird and he's still holding fucking animosity towards Cyclops from, like, the 1970s. And I'm like, bro, you have another chance of life. You're still mad about what exactly? Nobody Just, told you to hop your ass on that plane. That's his last. Like, girl, that was eight wars ago. Girl, like, chill the fuck to 
chill. <laughs> that was his last memory, though. Like, that's like that's like getting that. That's like that, that's like Emmett Till being resurrected tomorrow and be like, I still want that white bitch that set me. <laughs> like, that's, that's 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 not saying that's, that it's the same thing, but that's what it's giving. You know, I'd be mad too. I'd be like, "Looks like, oh yeah, it's on site. Like, I like, I'm back. It's on site. Like, what's good?" Yeah, uh, the way Cable kind of, the way he delivered that line, we would have had to fight. Child, he, child, <laughs> he would have had to fight. He is his mother's child. They never Madeline Pryor through that mouth. That was nothing, Madeline. <laughs> that was that. He is his mother's child. He got his. He got his, he got his daddy face and his mama. Everything else, baby. Let me. <laughs> he said, "You had a plane to catch." Oh, bitch! That's why I like when the gays and 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 the bisexuals and the trans and the lesbians we get to write the comics because, baby, I'm gonna tell you, we gonna put on nasty skates and read in there at some point. <laughs> you just imagine everyone in that red lagoon's going, "Ooh!" <laughs> so that was, "Ooh!" <laughs> I'll tell you, I like I literally I didn't have on I didn't have on any pearls, but I sure as hell clutched them. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is he talking to like this? And you know, Magneto got his new man. <laughs> wow. Got his I retirement also, day. I also uh I love that the Iraqis gave gave us their own um their own slur with weapon thief. <laughs> Bitch, did you <laughs> Did you steal this nigga's powers? Oh no, girl, we don't do that here. We don't do that at all. Like fight like an equal bitch. Like what the fuck? You jumping out here? Yeah, that's you like, jumping? That's why they dislike Tarn so much? Because the first thing that he does is snatch your powers. Thank you so much. Now what's next? <laughs> they don't like that shit. Oh, that's why they triggered their asses. <laughs> oh, that was triggering. Oh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. But I mm, like, that oh. was, mm, it was just a damn moment. That was, there's so much about this, this is a goddamn moment. But I'm happy we get more Oracle culture. Um, there were so many different aspects of the storytelling here that was just hitting, like, from the, like, the dichotomy. I really like the breakdown of the Great Ring because it's giving more characterization. Like, I didn't know, I'm happy we know what the fuck Xylo is going on about because, like, I never really got what his power was from how they showed it in like the planet size X-Men. He just went into the ground and he started fucking with shit. But I guess he's just like a walking, talking ecosystem. Just in the same way that Sobunar is, uh, uh, Bloodstream is uh, an aquatic ecosystem, which is why mm-hmm. they worked well with they also listed Lactuka as the Omega level universal shaper so that we can stop asking for a manifold to be an Omega. Because they, they, mm-hmm. were, they were like, um, he doesn't, like, manifold talks to the universe. Um, like, Lactuna sings to the universe. They really, they, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I think they don't want man, manifold as the Omega level mutant at all. Which is cool. Yeah, I think it was intentional. Um, which is not bad. I've never been a person who thought like Omega level status is the end all be all what it means to be a mutant. I think if they threw down, to be honest, it probably would be Manifold who wins. Not from any other point of view, but I think Manifold is more willing to use his power in that way. Cause like Tuka doesn't like she throws hands like that. 
No one challenges her, probably because no one would want to fight her. Wait, I'm sorry, let me get Black Tuka's pronouns correct, because they gave us pronouns now. That's the number one thing I think we got from the data page is that it gave everyone pronouns. I, I personally thought, you know, still think Black Tuka is non-binary, because if you are a walking, talking, blob of space, what's gender? What is that? So Black Tuna is, Black Tuna is a she. Like Tuka looks like it was giving intersex, but that's yeah, we got she for I believe. Let me open it back up because I'm gonna be very specific with Sabunar. So cause Sabunar is like very much in there is being implicated, like this is a self-reoccurring entity. Is there they're their own father, they are their own mother, they are recreating themselves over and over again. He is a he, because he him. Okay. I never know. I don't I don't know. Child. But they said that, like, when they made the oceans, they were like, yeah, they're teeming with my children. I just made them out of thin air. Wow. is an icon. I'm sorry. Still one of my favorites. Yeah. It, it was a really great issue. I'm really curious to see where this goes because they have a bunch of characters who... I think the thing that I'm liking about is there's a bunch of characters in the room who generally would never be in the same room together. It doesn't make Vulcan, sense. Roberto, yeah. Magneto, Storm, and then the Great Ring. Iska is my next concern. I don't know how to watch this anymore. She's starting to get on my nerve. Because thing is, like, I will be a winner too, but I always sided with the with the winning team. It just doesn't what it's giving. It doesn't give like how complex Domino's powers seem to be. It's like, like it's like I know I almost start calling uh um Todd the unbeat. Because it always seems like a scam. Was it like a scheme set up by Iska? She's very much talking. I don't blame her for not being happy. Because I think, like, think about it like this: you have to switch sides. It doesn't matter if you fuck with the people you about to switch to, right? You right. got to do it. Um, and so the major issue with that is that she would never have chosen the X Men. These niggas don't ain't about what she's about. They came to their first meeting bringing flowers and shit. Like, it's it's up and it's stuck, honestly. Um, I think she has a lot of trauma built around that, and I think that's a good storyline to kind of build on, is this idea that she's dealing with the guilt um, associated with betraying her family on loop, and she can't misuse her power on the council neither. It's not like she can walk up in this bitch and go, I'm voting for us to go back to men because that's unfair and it doesn't represent the interests of Araco. Like, if she were to do some shit like that, it just wouldn't pan out right. Like, people will revolt, and if people will revolt and they will win, she would have to side with the revolution anyway. It's like she has to measure what she does at every single step because whoever she backs publicly could potentially win. The best bet for her in a lot of situations is just to remain neutral. And I'm not sure if she's really always fucking with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's when Red was like everything. Like it was a moment. I it was much needed. Um, whatever storms got coming, the girls about to get it. Um yeah, Luther King, you know. Yeah, like 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 Gerger Loins, like 
mother's coming. Like sh she's tired. Cause I think the 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 rock the rock out music is really playing in her face. Like she's yeah. some, like she's some kind of dummy. And I think not understanding the complexities of what she probably has experienced being a black woman living in a in a in a colonialistic society and how much she's had to fight on a certain level. I think they're not giving her her just respect. I think they don't understand the depth of what she may have experienced uh, as a as a black woman. And um, yeah, it, it's it's gonna be interesting. And Vulcan is a problem. Definitely a problem. But um, to add to the storm thing, I definitely think that they, um, I like that they're changing the kind of like the status quo, if, I mean, if you will, the status quo, what it means to be a region because she's already established like, my plan isn't to rule you. My plan is to help you guys move ahead. You know, even though she wasn't with them fighting in the wars and in the prisons or whatever, there's still mutants at the end of the day. So I think, I think she's, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how she's going to, um, how she's going to deal with this going forward, especially with the formation of the Brotherhood. And Vulcan is, we ain't going to go on that <laughs> I, I do want to say, I do see the Iraqi's point. Like, she is a conqueror who doesn't want to pretend that she's a conqueror, right? And so she's coming in your face and she's doing a lot of niceties and going, oh, I am just here for an equal and balanced vote and I'm not here to oppress you guys and them be a civilization of like conquerors, like, sure, bitch, whatever the fuck you mean. Like, what are you talking about? They're just sitting here. We, we got our tower capital got changed because of you. Like, we lost our ruling family. It's like you're a governing force. You're here to govern us. And as much as you want to pretend like you're for the other thing, the first world vote we got that we kind of wanted to see what we wanted to do and move forward, you voted against it. And to them, it's like because you want to see a better way forward or because you don't want us to leave you. And so there's so many different aspects of this. That thing is definitely the perspective of the Iraqi mutants that they lost, and so they're suffering from like the pre the, the disposition of what it means to lose. But I feel like that also means that in X Men Red we have no choice but to see table night because this is a situation of loss, and so they're trying to navigate it like healthily and with a balanced idea. But I'm not sure if it's actually being reflected as proper or just in the ways that at least what she was doing i think definitely storm had the epiphany that she was not like operating this the way that she should have she was actually just doing what the council told her to do and what brand kind of projects that she should be doing rather than storm's role here is not to govern these people it's to or to usurp their will with her own it's to absorb a bit of them and so that they can see a different way of doing things. I agree. I think the Brotherhood was a better way of going about this. And we established this because we said we wanted to bring the Brotherhood into Morocco, but I didn't foresee it being led by Storm. And I think this is the healthier. Uh, actually, no, I did see it being led by Storm. I just think that the alternative to the perspective that they were trying to do when they probably first pitched Morocco, because I'm pretty sure they never really thought of questioning that violence or like these, the strong will survive aspect of what the Iraqi need. Um, I don't think they ever thought to interpret that as 
what they're doing now, I think this took some time to develop. And the thing, and the thing I will say, and, and, I, and I agree with you like completely, and I think the thing that we need to look out for is that whatever Abigail is planning, her X-Men cannot allow, cannot be allowed to thrive because they're going to be a direct um, part of Orcus. Or they made, or they made, or she may construct a team of X Men who may not know that they are inadvertently working for Orcus, which is far more dangerous. This is X Factor all over again. Yeah, it is. I need someone to get on that X Men copyright because just anybody be running around with that title now. And you know, you got lawyers, right? <laughs> you got right. lawyers. Sue this chick for copyright infringement. Because Abigail about to do some foul shit, and I don't like the way this is looking. This and is I not good for like, brand recognition. Not at all. Especially like, and I think that if she does make this X-Men team, Cable's going to be a part of it. But I also wonder, since Cable's from the future, does he know already what Abigail is planning? And this is probably why he didn't want his younger self around anymore. Because there's a possibility that Cable could know everything that's going on, like a series of events that are going on, and allowing them to happen because they have to happen without diverging too much of the timeline. Because he's not going to ruin the timeline, but he also knows the potential threat that Abigail could be presenting. Well, you know Idol knows. Idol definitely knows. Our good sis Idol, she's sitting there peeping everything. Well, where's Peepers at? Peepers will know. Oh, King Keepers, the God, the Legend. Just think, so much would be handled better if Peepers was in charge of uh, a sword. Put put Peepers right. in charge of a sword. That's all I'm gonna say. Any final thoughts? No, I'm, I I think I got it all. I think we got it all. Same. All right. So I think that leads us to the circuit party, and unfortunately. Showtime is in here to do my theme song. So I had to do it myself. It's, 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 all right. So welcome to the circuit party. That was, that's a lot of energy. Uh, <laughs> so this week for the circuit party, we will be discussing this overall concept of where X-Men Red kind of leading us along with the Marauders, which is this radical reinterpretation of what it means to be a hero. So the Brotherhood being centered kind of as the replacement for the X-Men on Arako because the X-Men represent a very specific dream that we've all criticized that shit for being, of setting a better example, quote unquote, and policing the mutants who do not represent the future that Xavier or that the mainstream white person, whoever the white person is who's holding the power, thinks is responsible. The Brotherhood instead reflect a counterbalance that goes, actually, mutants should be fighting for their truth no matter what it looks like. And that, you know, we will push back against the society that holds a certain tradition. Um, and we would instead usurp our own perspective that matters on the individual level. Um, it's basically mutant Black Panthers. And the stake that definitely Xavier had was very much, if Xavier wasn't a mutant, like running a mutant organization, instead he was a Black man in charge of some shit, he would be the dude who's calling Will Smith, telling Will Smith to like, you know, return the honor to the Oscars by apologizing and returning his award or like telling people like, oh, you really shouldn't be acting out in front of Black folk. Like they would be the first people who would call the Black Panthers thugs. 
essentially. And that's always energy gate. But I think in this new era of storytelling, especially now that people are now admitting that the Black Panthers weren't some villainous organization that were actually just people who are fighting for very fundamental rights, and they were othered, they were targeted, and they were destroyed, albeit they did have faults in many different areas, they were being systematically eradicated by the government. Um, there's a lot of storytelling that plays into this. I wanted to pose a question. Um, do we think X-Fans are responsible or caring enough to handle a story where these symbols and these people who once were villains or might have been seen like in an antagonistic light are now instead being reframed as the saviors of the narrative? Do we think that comic fans are responsible enough to handle it? And do we think, in general, Marvel as an enterprise is responsible enough to keep telling the story in a healthy and a kind of honest way? Let's start with Vontae or Showtime. Or actually, no, Showtime's not here. Vontae or Henry. What do you guys think? Um, Vontae, go ahead, Vontae. Go no, you, no, you go. You go ahead, before I got it. Um, I think that, like, I think we are at a at a place in society where we can accept the anti-hero or the anti-villain and it'd be very gray because our political structure is very gray. Um, our our current president could be seen as anti-villain or anti-hero. I don't think anybody in any type of leadership is seen as one or the other anymore. I think people are always seen with a little bit of gray to some extent. Um, I think that, like, because of the, of the X-Men's plot lines around social justice, social political conversations and things like that, that has always been, like, kind of like a gray area of some things. Even, I think, like, going, you know, further back into, let's say, um, what's a good example, of, of the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, you know, Jean Grey still was a was a paradigm of goodness and truth. But even though, like, the phoenix existed inside of her, you know, they still accepted her with the, you know, like, even like even like a character like Wolverine, for instance, is a better example. You know, like, Wolverine has been given forgiveness so many times. That's one of the things that was, like, mentioned that I that we didn't mention in the X-Force discussion was, is like, you know, no one, like, Wolverine, you really don't have room to be so against Omega Red with your history, how much forgiveness the X-Men have given you, especially with your history. So I think that, like, you know, I think that as X-Men fans, yes, we can bridge forward into a more gray area space or like or like villains, reformed villains and I hate to say some reformed heroes, Beast is a prime example, of, you know, that these people can share space. Um, I don't think that if you are an Avengers or Justice League type comic book fan that you are going to get the X-Men at this stage. And that's shade, but true. Mm -hmm. I say what I say. <laughs> um, um, my opinion on it is that I think that um, X-Fans could handle it, but there are some that I think I think they're unsure because they, I've seen a lot of people consider a lot of what the X Men, a lot of what the X Men have been doing to kind of be like, I don't even know if it's you want to say terrorism or they refer to them as terrorists or I don't fucking know, but 
I think that they, I think the X fans could handle it. Um, the X Men, like Henry was saying, they've always been kind of like a symbol of social justice for um, uh, for the comic book community, and it's it's kind of it's kind of hard considering how the X Men are growing and and where they are currently. It's like I, I I don't I don't know I don't know why they I, I'm I'm not sure I, I'm I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure if some X fans would be able to handle it I think they could but um, there are some that are kind of like on the fence about it they kind of like they kind of want to know like okay what's what exactly uh, are the motives and shit like that so I think. I think it's kind of like a little mixture of both. Yeah, they can handle it, but then there are something that's going kind of going to be on that line. Like they don't, they're not going to know how to handle that. For me, I think fundamentally, right? Like trying to like think about this question, um, I think about how fiction frames what anti-hero is, right? And it's people who do extremes um, to justify the justice or the injustices that they face in whatever predicament they're in. So like, they frame like fuckers like Punisher as an anti-hero when like the truth be told, actual classical literary form. In some circumstances, the Punisher could be an anti-hero, but most times he's not. You know, he is a serial killer. Like that's just the black and white truth about the Punisher. He's a serial killer. He takes glee in pun in extracting harm on people that humanity has basically given up on. Because if you're a killer, if you're a drug dealer, if you're a anyone X, Y, and Z. Culture has just kind of like made it so that, you know, even at your funeral, someone can back off you and say, like, he got what he had coming to him because, you know, he lived that lifestyle, you know, it's going to happen to you one way or the other. And like, essentially, that's what goes down with someone like the Punisher. He's just like that. He's built to be finally in it. Or you look at Wolverine and you call him an anti hero. Um, but in truth, he's not really an anti hero because the people he targets are so much to have done so much worse to him like he's facing off against a hand and he's killing them in droves but it doesn't matter because they're all corpses and they're reanimated dead in the dark magic or he's fighting like fucking basically super nazis from planet a uh, planet clan and so it doesn't matter i think when the situation gets nuanced people start throwing around the anti-hero idea but the truth is that in real life there's no such thing as an anti-hero you know, there's either villains or there's people who are just trying to survive every day. And like the fight I got into about the Druid situation is the fact that like if you have powers like Storm or any other character, there's the main basis of what the Black Panther kind of represented as a movie, which is you have a civil responsibility to use your powers for the betterment of other people, no matter what that looks like. Like Druid's whole situation that people kept dragging him for was like, oh, He's a slaver because he was holding people against their will. And then, you know, that's unethical. But I'm like, in a situation where you have powers, realistically, if you can make people not commit harm to each other and you can force them to have the perspective of empathy, it's kind of not going to be a, such a terrible situation to me that they choose to use their power to promote peace. Like, yeah, the narratives all tell you to act a certain way, but the narratives all have a certain morality toward them that is basically catering like the status quo like xavier is not neutral when he doesn't use his power to fight civil rights or like to help anyone or even 
his big qualms with what was happening with Storm when she was a kid or what happened with Tessa. Like, he's not a good guy for what he did with that. He's not a virtuous person. And you say, like, oh, but there's circumstances and you just don't understand. It's because he's a part of the status quo. He gets to go home to his generation's old manor, to all his money that he didn't have to earn himself, to sit on a fountain of wealth and ponder about the deep philosophical quandaries of how horrible it was that he had to witness that. It's like that issue of X, well, uh, Justice League where they go to Africa and they fall into a legitimately, like, a legitimate tyrant-ran country that was supposed to be, like, the Red Lion, I think his name was, and the Justice League couldn't do anything about it because it's like, you don't have jurisdiction here. This is a whole country. Like, as much as you can call this person a villain, this is a human matter, and technically, you have no... If you make an act here, it will be political. And so they make the decision to be apolitical. And how fucked up is that for people who are suffering there? Like, there's no Batman in the hood. And that's just the fundamental truth of what we look at when we look at this comic that I think is a bit of a coward's way out with these storytellers because we haven't seen, like, a Black telepath because no one wants to think about the question of what does it look like to have a telepath who faces racism every day? Like, does he go into people's mind and expose them? Does he go into their heads and makes them act different? And what does it mean if he doesn't? So we typically see that power in people who have enough privilege to leverage it. I think the storytelling needs to evolve whether or not the experience are worthy of it. Just like they tried to frame Krakoa as like this really fucked up um, Zionist state that really does really fucked up politics because they don't let humans go there. I'm like, fundamentally, that's privilege speaking. And I think that in terms of a comic that borrows so much from Black culture and so much from Black radicalism, um, it needs to evolve past that state in order for it to not be insulting to the subject matter that it's drawing inspiration from. So, yeah. Well, damn, mic drop. I mean, well, shit. <laughs> I mean, like, how you really fucking feel? Like, goddamn. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, you, make, very, like, you make a very fair point, and I think that, like, that, like, Krakoa has to evolve past that because the thing that, like, I don't want to happen to Krakoa. The same thing happens to happen to Wakanda. Wakanda is that it becomes a romanticized place, and mm-hmm. people start to celebrate it for the wrong reasons. Because inherently, in my opinion, Wakanda is much more problematic than I think people realize than what we get in the, in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's cute for TV, but like when you really read the comics, there are a major set of issues going on in Wakanda. And that's not like necessarily like, you know, a bad thing because any nation is going to have their set of problems. But I think that people don't realize that when you use elements of real life struggles and use them in comics, they become romanticized because they're not the exact reality of what we may be really experiencing. Mm-hmm. And and I think it can be far more dangerous. Well, I will, I will, I will say that like they have done some labor in making sure that Krakoa has a set of issues, and that the government is also the center of the set of issues. Which, in most countries, the government is always the center of the set of issues that are going on within a country most times. So, I think they could, they should stay on this trajectory, but I want to see where it's going to go. I agree. I think there is a lot more responsibility in like the framing of things. 
and having government's issues being like, I think they did a good job of doing that springboard idea of like these issues are actually a spider web of one consistent issue, which is Nimrod and Orcus, and having a built in enemy to them ethnically that just doesn't want them around. Um, and the insider information from Myra Metagger, which is Nimrod always wins. And so you need to do whatever it takes to wipe out this people of this robot because they have won every single time. And I do appreciate them showing that inevitably they did win. Um, it's just these white people, oh, I'm sorry, these robots are sore fucking losers and they went back in time and changed shit. Um, so yeah, I think those are my feelings. Those are our feelings about the circuit party. Um, Marvel, keep digging deeper. Maybe one day you'll have a telepath who says fuck it and makes people not racist. Uh, wouldn't that be a time? Um, right. So do you have any, any, any recommendations for next week for our lovely listeners? Uh, so uh, Wonder Woman Historia just landed. Um, have not read it yet because I'm I'm playing catch up a little bit of everything. Uh, Black Widow is officially done. Um, 15 issue run, actually amazing. I suggest if you like the spy shit, they add a new layer to Black Widow's character that is really truly amazing. I love what they've done with her. It's really fucking. It's really fucking good, and the artwork is consistent through every issue. There's no guest artwork, no. Pepula Ross sleeping on the job, girl. Um, it's consistent <laughs> artwork uh, all the way through. I am recently now reading several things. I'm reading the new Batman Beyond Neo Year, which is actually starting off really good. I'm also reading uh, Shadow War, which is about um, the death of Ra's al Ghul and death Deathstroke being framed for it. Um, and what else am I reading that's really good? Outside of, oh, I'm reading The Reckoning War with Fantastic Four, and it's great, but Reed Richards is being very Reed Richards. Republican? Very. And, oh, oh no, not only is he being Republican, he has cosmic abilities. Oh, that's if not. You have, if, if, if you ever get a chance to read it. <laughs> yes, what? That's not surprising. Cos- cosmic abilities of the Watcher. You. Who did that? Um, it's it's a good read but Reed Richards is really Reed Richarding and it is really getting on my nerves and in the last issue him and Thing get into a fight and (laughs) every lump that he got in that fight that Thing gave him was deserved and in the the cover final it was all about manipulation you need to really like if you want to see Reed Richards Reed Richard you got to read Reckoning War because it's going to really piss you off. You know, it's a great read. It explains some more history of the of the Marvel Universe and while, um, a little bit more information about the Watchers and who they are and, wh- and why they are the way they are and why they became Watchers. It's really good. However, Reed Richards is Reed Richarding and I don't like it. But everything else about it is great. Listen here, sis. Well, for me, I'm going to recommend uh, the Strange comic. Uh, it's featuring our main sis, the Sorcerer Supreme, Clea, as she embarks on her mission to bring back her husband from the dead. Or, sorry, her ex-husband, now lover, back from the dead. Sis, don't fuck around. She's giving Iraqi energy at all times, every single goddamn time. Uh, 
she will fucking murder you. She don't give no fucks. She don't talk about none of these morals, ethics bullshit. She don't want to be hanging out with no fucking Avengers. She said she wants her man back. She wants her man back. And she says, if she says stay away from some shit, that means stay away from some shit. Um, the most last previous issue she faced off against Thunderstrike and also Death's new Supreme. So Death has now chosen basically his own version of a Sorcerer Supreme uh, to represent its interest against the powers and forces that seek to kind of trample all over the meaning of Death. Um, so she has a champion now to protect her interests and to go after anyone who has been illicitly resurrected. Um, we'll see if they care at all about Krakoa. Probably not. If they do, <laughs> what you gonna do about it, sis? Nothing, exactly. Um, interesting enough, X-Men 92 has the house of XC2, which I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but it's, I guess it's their version of tackling the Cohen age through the 90s X-Men comic. Um, so I'm going to check that out this week. Electra 100. There's a lot of good comics this week. Electra 100, number one. Um, we have the what if Miles Morales became Wolverine. Mm. Now, I want to check that out, not because I think it will be great. I just want to see what they do with it. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine he's a mutant in this. I really can't. But it has to be interesting. Um, Captain Carter. Again, her name is Captain Carter, not Captain Britain, guys. There's already one of those if she's a telepath. Uh, Black Panther number five. X-Men number 10. So check that out. Is Laura on the cover. Eternals number 11. Shut up, Henry. Uh, and you know, you had it in your spirit. I did. As soon as I said it. As soon as I said it. And so we have a lot of great things to look forward to. So, Vontae, where are you looking for us reading? Um, I do want to read Wonder Woman Historia. Like, I'm still playing catch up, but um, I do want to read the second issue of Wonder Woman Historia. The artwork, the story, everything just is, it, it, it got me the first issue. So the second issue I'm looking, looking forward to. Um, and then I guess I'll go ahead and try to do uh, those Eternals one shots. Mm-hmm. For I'll do it for you, uh, uh, Steve. Uh, Steven, I'll do it for you. Sure, no, you're not, sure, no, you're not doing it for me because uh, I would never. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it for you. But um, I read that I read that one issue with Ajax and uh, Macari, and I think they were kind of trying to figure out what they would do next. Now that I guess uh, what Ajax was instigating shit. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I I think I'm gonna try to um, read the rest of those. But um, yeah, I'm still playing catch up, so I got a lot of stuff that I need to read. But those two, I'll um, those two, I'll I'll look at. All right, excellent. And for my uh, manga reading fans, I'm checking out Witch Hat Atelier uh, now. So. You know, if you ever want to DM us about manga or anime, you know, I'm your boy. But thank you guys for stopping by. We love you. We appreciate you. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Feel free to DM Henry um, pictures of big, hard dicks. Um, that sentence. DM Henry pictures of big, hard dicks. And um, just for just uh, just for closing, yes, please send me all your penises. Um, and next week we are doing Knights of X number one, Saber Truth number three, X Men number ten, 
And yeah, great. Oh, those are coming out. I looked at the list for the least calendar. It did not mention Knights of X. And well, I, I, I'm just looking inside of the calendar, inside of the inside of the book. It might be wrong. Listen, you never know. You never know. With Marvel, you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. You never you might know. tell you something one day, and then within the next day, you go there and look for it, and it's not there. Yeah, it's you never know. Back. Oh, it's been pushed back. Like, why the fuck? Stay <laughs> getting pushed back. Probably all these books this week, they're behind again. I say all this. Watch the count with Strange Academy next week. Watch. Watch me be so upset, because next issue is the last one for this, the quote-unquote semester. And then they have a next. They had the reboot for the new semester. So, um, Humberto Ramos is still drawing it because he brings a special touch. Because like we talked about before, about him like being the best person to draw like teenagers and doing it the right way. Yeah, because it gets like the disproportion. I don't call it disproportionate, but there's a body built to like middle schoolers that are like teenagers that's like lanky, unsure. Even how they carry themselves versus like you see someone. How he draws Dr. Voodoo, back straight, chin up, like, I will fuck these kids up if they give me a reason to. I'm a, right. I'm a fucking Haitian dad. Energy, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, sort of like how they sometimes draw the new mutants as adults. Like, some of the new mutants, like, look too old. Mm-hmm. Like, why the fuck, why the fuck would they write drawing prodigy so fucking huge? That dude was brawling back in the right. day. Right. Anywho, thank y'all for stopping by. Talk to you later. Bye. Love you. Bye.